Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast. I'm Matt Cabot, your host and elder at Grace South Bay. Each week we have a Q&A conversation with our pastors about their sermons. We talk theology and we get into the Bible. And we discuss how to live out our faith as Christians in the Silicon Valley and beyond. Today we continue our conversation on a sermon series from the book of James. In a sermon titled Prayer, Pastor Bob looks at the power of prayer and how we can pray more effectively. We'll talk about praying for healing and how to keep from being discouraged when we don't see immediate results. All that and more is on the table today as we dive into James chapter 5, verses 12 through 18. Glad you're with us. Let's dig in. So Bob, prayer and and the encouragement to pray is throughout the Bible. And James, once again, tells his readers to pray. But what is prayer? That's a a good question, Matt. Of course, um, one of our constitutional documents, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, uh, question 98, asks, what is prayer? And, And the answer given is that prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, that was you know written almost 400 years ago, and uh, and we see you know various components of of prayer in there. And I, I think I would probably broaden the definition a little bit if I were putting it into my own words. I think of prayer as really bringing ourselves, our whole selves, uh, before God the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Spirit. You know, so I think I think the Trinity is involved in prayer, um, but we are directly communicating to God, our hearts and minds, our thoughts and feelings. We are bringing mm-hmm. ourselves before him and, and directly communicating ourselves to him. And, and I think that might be a very, you know, very, very basic uh, way of thinking about prayer, but it is a, it is a relational act. And, um, and I think we are invited uh, to um, fully relate in prayer mm-hmm. uh, to our Creator. So I think when people think about prayer, they think mostly it's about asking God for things. But is that right. is that all there is to prayer? No, no. I mean, we often make prayer uh, simply requests for assistance, uh, for God to help in certain situations. Um, but you know, again, if we if we take the Book of Psalms as kind of like our guide for prayer, um, we see that many psalms are are simply praises or uh, offering of thanks. I mean, there, there definitely are uh, pr- lots of prayers for help mm-hmm. in the Psalms, but not exclusively. Prayer brings us into contact with God, where we mm. cry out along with His Spirit, Abba, Father. We are enacting the truth of our redemption in Jesus. We are consciously coming into God's presence. And one of the depths and beauties of prayer that we might often miss if, it's, if we're only asking for stuff is that we can actually bask in God's presence. We can simply enjoy mm. him and know his love. I mean, the ultimate aim of humanity is to know God right. through his Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of his Spirit. Prayer is one of the chief ways we can do that right now. <laughs> so C.S. Lewis apparently said that prayer doesn't change God, uh, but it changes us. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I think for sure uh, prayer is bidirectional meaning that, you know, God is working on us as we are praying to him. Uh, prayer certainly does change us, 
right? Because in prayer, we are engaging uh, God and, and His Spirit, right? His Spirit is, is praying with us and for us. Um, and God's Spirit is, in, in one sense, on the line with us. You know, if you, mm-hmm. you know, remember the old days when you had uh, landlines and phones, and, you know, yeah. someone else is in the other room on, a, on, on, a, on the phone, but on the same line with you. And, and so sometimes the Spirit is praying with us and for us and talking to the Father with us and for us, but sometimes the Spirit is actually impressing the truth of God on us as we are praying, right? God, mm. God's Spirit is working on us as we pray, um, and so, you know, that's—it's it, clear that, that God works um, through our prayers as well, though, right? So it's not just that, that, that it, prayer is just about God changing us. Mm-hmm. God does things uh, outside of us through our prayers. Um, but I, I think maybe one of the things C.S. Lewis is saying, and he's correct in saying, is that prayer doesn't change God from, say, a, a logical or philosophical perspective, meaning, mm-hmm. you know, God is a simple, supreme, necessary being. God is unchangeable in that way. Mm-hmm. But God has ordained to work through the prayers of his people. So sometimes things happen because we prayed for them. Sometimes they don't happen because we didn't pray for them. I, is any of that a surprise to God? No, it's not. So it, it, there seems to be a number of passages in the Bible that that suggest that we can change God's plans through prayer. Um, what are we to make of those passages? Yeah, there the eternal decrees of God are set from before time and are often hidden and mysterious. These don't change. the The quote unquote plans that God uh, has uh, that that we know about. Uh, through revelation, uh, through specific revelation, he has shared with us for a reason, uh, mm. for us to respond to. And, and, and sometimes he shares those plans with us for us just to grow in our trust in him, like the plan of God summing up all things in Christ. Uh, sometimes he shares them with us to actually challenge him and intercede for others, like when God said he was going to wipe out all of Israel on the mm-hmm. mountain and Moses interceded and begged him not to. Yeah. Um, sometimes he shares them with people t- for them to respond in repentance, like when he announced through the prophet Jonah that Nineveh would be destroyed in 40 days. Remember, it was just Nineveh's going to be destroyed in 40 days. That was the right. message. Nineveh collectively repents, and God relents. Mm-hmm. Whatever plans God shares with us, he does so for our good to form and shape us, for us to respond to. The stories we find of God changing his plans seem to be inviting us to appeal to God's mercy over his judgment. That seems to teach us to be faithful intercessors for others, priests of a, of mm-hmm. a gracious and merciful God to the world around us. In the end, God built us for relationship and honest give and take. He wants to rule and perfect creation through us and and watch us carry on his work in partnership with us. That means him working through our faith and dependence and free choices. So God always wants to hear what's in our hearts. We never need to throw up our hands in fatalism saying, God is going to do what God is going to do, and I don't matter. Right? He is mm-hmm. always in us to work and to act according to his good pleasure. Well, let's unpack for a moment the power of prayer. Mm. Um Will certain things not happen, for example, someone being healed of a sickness because we didn't pray, and if the answer is no, why should we pray at all? And if the answer is yes, shouldn't we be praying all the time? (laughs) You know, Matt, I I have to say, I think the answer is yes, uh, that certain things won't happen because they were not prayed for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think this means that 
somehow God's will is thwarted or diverted, God is going to work through the prayers that prayers of his people that are offered. If certain things don't happen because they weren't prayed for, and, and we have to assume that that's kind of trillions of different possibilities that haven't come yeah. to pass over the, over the millennia, um, that's all accounted for in God's sovereign will because he knows the end from the beginning. So, yes, we should be praying all the time. <laughs> this is what Scripture commands, right? Pray without ceasing. Uh, prayer is probably the most powerful thing you can do on any given day. So as a follow-up to that, do we have a moral responsibility to pray? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting question. Jesus commands that we pray. He commands that we pray that the Father's will is done and that uh, his kingdom comes. Uh, to not pray is to operate as if God is not interested or involved, and, and if we operate that way, we will always underachieve whatever we're doing. Um, you know, I, but I guess we could take this to the extreme, right? Why do anything but pray? Yeah. Right? There's right. so much need and injustice in the world. You could pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and you couldn't come close to covering everything. Right. And what's so interesting is that that's what monks and nuns were all about hmm. in late ancient and medieval Europe, right? I mean, and it, making beer, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that, that's just to sustain them. The water was that's poison, right. Matt. The water was poison. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> but, you know, doesn't this almost make sense? I mean, it, it, it kind of yeah, seems it so silly to us, sort of this whole monastic thing. But when you think about it, it's like to have a, a group of people set apart— to study mm. God's word and and peace and spirituality and to pray around the clock for the needs of the world. Yeah. That's that's actually kind of beautiful when you think about it. Like, mm. wow, that's that's really powerful and awesome. Um as individuals, we have specific and and, and local callings. We are finite creatures, right? And and we are operating in uh, a world in which, you know, not m- very many feet from us, our, our power diminishes quickly, mm-hmm. right? So we have, you know, family, provision, practical aspects of managing creation around us, uh, acts of mercy that we are called to, right? We, we have all of these responsibilities. So therefore, you know, everyone can't pray uh, intentionally, do nothing but prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So then the question is, how much should we be praying each day? Mm-hmm. The answer is different for everyone, depending on our callings and, and, and abilities and these kinds of things and our giftings. But for most of us in 21st century Silicon Valley, we could probably do more prayer for the needs of our church and neighbors in the world and less pursuing of our personal agendas. So those personal agendas in the Valley are, are kind of crazy, our, our, our schedules and our demands for all the things we need to face. Is it possible to pray at all times for us here living in this era and location. Well, you know, I, I think that, again, it is not possible for us to, you know, be praying intentionally at all times, you know, sort of all of our our, our thought um, and, and consciousness focused on that. I mean, there, you know, so that's sort of like deep intentional prayer to God. Those are special moments. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible to have a spirit of prayer about you at all times? Absolutely, right? To have an awareness that you are living before God, that the triune God is dwelling in you and is present to you in every moment, right? So, of course, there are times of direct intentional prayer, like when you wake up or go to bed, maybe Mm -hmm. when you're on a walk or when you're commuting, whatever. But the rest of your time can be spent in a kind of uh, maybe 
passive prayer, right? Sort of mm-hmm. a real-time awareness of God's companionship, and even sort of an ongoing conversation with him as you go through your day. I think this is absolutely possible, and this is what God invites us to, right? This is a, one of the joys of, of walking with God. Uh, so this is not just something reserved for the special saints in history. We really can be praying at all times. Hmm. Okay, well, let's break down a few prayer, I guess, case studies. Um, when is it appropriate to rebuke a sickness? <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I, I don't think I've ever rebuked a sickness before. Why not, brother? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the Gospels, we see Jesus talking to creation mm-hmm. as his creature. Uh, you know, everything is created by and through and for and to him. Um Creation must obey his commands, and and I don't know if we see the apostles doing the same sort of thing, hmm. but we can speak to God about suffering and sickness as an intruder, something that doesn't belong, something that's been defeated and whose days are numbered. I think we can pray against things like suffering, sickness, injustice, unbelief in such a way that almost sounds like a rebuke. Mm-hmm. So I, I would go that far, at least. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, praying for healing. How do mm-hmm. we boldly pray for healing and not become discouraged or disillusioned if we don't see results? Well, you know, I, I, I again would point us to the perfect model of Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane, right before he is arrested. So on, mm-hmm. on uh, Maundy Thursday evening, he offers up a sincere prayer of faith, right? He says, he starts with, Father, all things are possible for you, right? Beginning with this idea that God is all-powerful, his ability is beyond comprehension. And then he moves into his request, please let this cup pass, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I'm asking you for something I know you can do. But then he goes on to say, and this is the, the, the other part of the prayer of faith, is yet not my, but your will be done. I recognize my understanding of the situation, my preferences, my desires might not be the overall best, so I submit to your sovereign will. A a, a true prayer of faith means recognizing that God knows better than you Mm -hmm. and being open to that, right? I mean, so you you have to be open to God saying no. Otherwise, it it, it turns into magic, right? God, I've, I've worked up a lot of confidence in you, and now you owe me you have to do this thing, I'm using the right words, I have the right feelings, you have to give me what I want. No, that, that's, that's not a prayer of faith. I mean, by definition, a prayer of faith is, is recognizing that God is, is more powerful than you, that God is beyond you, that God is, is wiser than you. It means praying in the belief that God can do it, and that God will do something mm-hmm. as good or better than what you're asking. So I think we avoid becoming disillusioned when we're praying for things like healing, when we are praying with Jesus in Gethsemane, right? That, that, remember, that's where he repeatedly tells his disciples to pray, right? right Watch and pray right. that you don't fall into temptation. We remember that the Father said no to Jesus there. We remember that God said no to Paul about the thorn in his flesh. Mm-hmm. And yet Paul went on doing beautiful things in Jesus' name. So we trust God can do anything, and we trust him with the results of whatever we ask. And I think practicing that kind of praying will make us powerful prayers. Well, let's get super practical. Um, so when would you pray for healing? I mean, is it for the big stuff that we don't 
think doctors can handle or, or, or is it the little stuff too? When, when do we pray for healing? We pray, we pray all the time, right, for, mm-hmm. for every concern and everything um, that is on our hearts, everything that is uh, drawing away uh, our attention, perhaps, causing us anxiety, right? Cast your cares upon the Lord, um, as Peter tells us to. So, I mean, f- for all things, right, nothing is too small and nothing is too great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I think that, again— we can have such an expansive view of prayer that we really can face the question, why not just pray all the time? Mm-hmm. And and boy, it would be awesome if that was more of our default. Like, if I have time, I should pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and But there are specific callings in my life, and I do have to get to those, and so I will. Um, but I think that, you know, our default should be pray for everything. Uh, nothing is too small. Nothing is too great. and 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 then work from there. Okay, so let's say I have a really bad headache, and I pray for healing. Um, how do I know it was God who healed me or Advil? <laughs> That's a, that, that is a trick question. <laughs> because, you know, the answer is either way, God healed you. right? Hmm. Whether he used someone's faithful petition or ibuprofen. Right. Uh, so to ask if, if God or Advil uh, is the healer is to carve up reality into the spiritual and material realms. This is what Francis Schaeffer called the two-storied universe, and it, it leads to all kinds of problems, right? That God is active in just kind of a few spiritual, non-material areas, but the rest uh, of reality is left to our own strength, our own ingenuity, our own ability to manipulate creation. This dramatically curtails our prayer life and ultimately withers our faith. Hmm. And and one of the arguments as to why the, the Western world went from uh, a, a world of faith and, and belief uh, now to a primarily secular world, because we started kind of pushing God more to the margins of how we understood the world and and how we think the world works. Like James says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Heavenly Father of lights, right? He can use secondary causes like Advil, or he can Mm -hmm. work immediately and directly without secondary causes. But whatever that is good is happening, that's God, and, and, and he gets the credit for it, and he gets the glory for it. Now, there are certain faith communities who would say, well, I want to see God work, so I'm not going to take the Advil. What would you say about that? Well, I think that that is, to some degree, putting God to the test, right? I mean, we are to mm-hmm. use um, the gifts. I mean, it, 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 it is, in one sense, it's sort of a devaluing of creation, right? I mean, so God made us uh, material and spiritual, right, uh, matter and spirit, and, and we, are, we are both, right? We are mm-hmm. not just spirit. We are no, not just matter, um, and so therefore he expects us to do awesome things with the physical world, and, and he mm-hmm. delights in that. And, and so we are to use things in the physical world uh, for our good, for our enjoyment, for his glory. And so to avoid um, these gifts that he's given us through our own ingenuity and hard work and uh, preserving grace— um, is is to sort of refuse to recognize that God is at work in that way as well, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think it's 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 the opposite error, right? You can make one error where it's like, well, the universe is really more just sort of matter and and the laws of science. The other error er, error is to say this physical world doesn't really matter at all, mm-hmm. and and this is just kind of all a hoax and a show. Um, 
both errors end up being what we think of as Gnosticism, where, hmm. where you know, sort of there's too much of a dualistic way of looking at reality, spirit and matter, and the spirit means more, and so therefore I can either um, devalue matter or I can use it however I want to, for my own pleasure because in the end it doesn't really matter, doesn't really matter. So hmm. it, it, we need to kind of recognize that both uh, matter to God, right? Because he was incarnated, right? Mm-hmm. And he took on flesh and he lived truly as a human being. Um, so we, we can't just ignore um, secondary causes. We can't just ignore the fact that God has chosen to use matter and, uh, you know, scientific cause and effect uh, to actually create this place and, and make it beautiful mm-hmm. and wonderful. And so he expects us to do that. Yeah. So what does it mean to be fervent in prayer? Well, that I, I said that that's to pray, pray. <laughs> pray, okay, pray, pray, like pray. Elijah. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's a few, there's a few aspects of this, and, and maybe the most important one is to persist, mm-hmm. right? To, it's a big point, to persist in prayer. Um, and then another one is where you are looking to Christ as your righteousness, as the object of your faith. You're, you're, you, you do not have faith in your faith. You do not have faith in your own righteousness or performance. You have faith in Jesus Christ as your uh, atoning sacrifice for your sins and as your substitute. Uh, and so that means prayer in his name. And and your, your prayer always is including God's glory and good ends, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we want to pray for God's will and we want to pray for God's glory, um, but but I think that we need to remember that God is glorified in our flourishing also. So, you know, saying you have to pray for God's glory and God's good ends doesn't mean you don't pray for good things for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's very useful. Like when we are flourishing, when we are operating as we have been designed, when we are using our gifts and abilities, and the world is working in the ways that it has been designed, God is glorified in that. So it's it's good to pray that way, and it's good to recognize that, you know, God's, God's glorified in that. Mm. So it, it's a useful practice to think about how your uh, ideas of what is good for you and, and what would be your flourishing, how that overlaps onto God's glory and, and when it might not overlap onto God's glory. And I think that that's a useful exercise. But in terms of what it is to pray, pray to be fervent in prayer, there is persistence there is prayer in Jesus' name, wrapped in his righteousness, trusting in God's omnipotence, right, his power to do all things, and, and wanting his glory and, and the good of his creation and your own flourishing. And putting those together, kind of like those main areas, putting those together, uh, I think you end up with fervent prayer. If our Father in heaven longs to give us good things, why would we need to repeatedly ask him for them? Yeah, I you know, I think that's a great question. I think maybe it comes back to Lewis's quote about prayer changing us. You know, we see this in the Gospels with Jesus. He often demurs with someone's first request. You know, I mean, hmm. they have to persist uh, to get him to do something oftentimes. And, you know, Jesus' second point about prayer, I mean, he basically makes two points— um, it, the, his first point is to address God as your Father, your Heavenly Father, and the second point is to persist in prayer. And in fact, he links the two points. Because God is your Father, you should persist in prayer. Um, and so I think 
what God is doing by inviting us to persist and repeatedly ask is drawing us deeper into dependence upon him, stretching our faith, right, to take it further. When we ask for something important, just once or twice, then we kind of stop, we give up. We might be assuming that God isn't listening or isn't powerful enough or doesn't Mm -hmm. care enough, and none of those are true. So by persisting in prayer, we are exercising and strengthening our faith, growing in our dependence upon him. Um, We're learning that his will and timing are supreme and best. And, you know, we, we know what happens to children whose parents blindly and automatically give them everything they want the moment they ask, right? What happens? These children become spoiled and entitled mm-hmm. and actually miss out on a deeper relationship with their parents. The gifts become more potent than the givers, and, they, and these kids don't have the maturity to see beyond the gifts. And that's one of the things God is trying to build in us when he delays in answering prayer, Right? He wants us to have a stronger relationship with him, the giver, rather than with the gifts themselves. But this is where the analogy breaks down, because I, as a father, if I had a, a, my, one of my children came to me and repeatedly asked for something, I would be annoyed. I wouldn't be like, <laughs> you're doing the right thing. It's like, hey, listen, I would have given it to you the first time. <laughs> Just stop asking. Just stop asking. I'll give it to you because I'm, you know, I'm annoyed. Well, you know what? I mean, then that's that's where we can get into uh, Paul's story in 2 Corinthians about the the thorn in his flesh, where he says, you know, three times he asked uh, that the Lord would take it away, and finally, right, Jesus says Mm -hmm. to him, you know, my power is perfected in weakness, Um, and basically says, no, right, my my grace is, you know, my grace is enough. Sufficient, yeah. My grace is sufficient for you, and and, in some sense, it really was a a final no. Hmm. Stop asking in in a loving way, like you 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 have enough, um, and so you know I think I think God does you know say no to us in that way sometimes you know where where God where God does patiently and lovingly whether it's through circumstances uh, through things we read in Scripture maybe you know sermons or conversations we have with people but we we do kind of sense the Spirit telling us it's time to move on from this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think, you know, it, to do that in a, in a loving way, and, um, and, and, and we know that God can do it in an empathetic way, because, of course, Jesus knows what it's like uh, to suffer and for the Father to say no to him. And mm-hmm. so I think it's, it, it does happen, um, but you're right in that, you know, more often than not, God is simply patient with us as we continue uh, asking and asking and persisting. And it is his love for children. You know, it's like, what does Keller say? You know, the the king will only get up, you know, to get his child a glass of water in the middle of the night, right? No one else can bother the king in the middle of the night (laughs) to get a glass of water. (laughs) But a child, but his child can. And, and And that's who God is with us. So how should we measure the success of a prayer ministry? Mm. Man, there's, you know, there's a number of believers who say that, you know, we could actually just keep track of of prayers Mm -hmm. asked and their answers, and we would likely find more prayers answered than we would initially assume. But, you know, measuring the success of any ministry is very, very difficult, right? If we combine all the ministries of, of the local church, our local church, and we want to decide, is the church's ministry successful? How do we go about it? You know, what what do we measure? Mm -hmm. Is it the impact on the local neighborhood? Is it 
number of baptisms? Is it change in people's lives? Is it lots of change in a few lives or a little change in lots of lives, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, is, it, mm-hmm. is it simply just the faithful proclamation of the word and administration of the sacraments? It's a very difficult question, as you and I know, as elders of the church. Right. So for this specific question, you know, what is, what is the success of a prayer ministry or how would we measure it? I'd be happy with a prayer ministry where we had lots of people fervently praying, pray praying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for each other and our broader community, right? That one of the first instincts of our people when anything happens is to pray and ask others for prayer, right? That we become more and more confident in praying to God and praying to God together. Mm-hmm. And to me, this would suggest a confidence in a God who hears the prayers of his children, who is intimately involved and in working in their lives, and a people who are dependent upon God for all things. So I think a community's prayer life is a decent gauge of those qualities, uh, and and I and I think we have seen our community grow in their use of independence upon prayer, and I think we have more room to grow. So I wonder if one of the reasons why people don't pray is that James says in this passage that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful. But what if we don't feel righteous? Will our <laughs> prayers not be effective? Yeah, you know, I mean, I wonder. Maybe it it starts with. What makes us feel righteous? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so the, the problem when we read something like this in James 5 that we had to talk about is that we immediately jump to our own kind of uh, internal spreadsheet that we're keeping about, you know, our faithfulness versus our sin. How good have we been in saying no to sin and saying yes to God? And, uh, you know, we're always kind of uh, sizing up that score. We even kind of graph it, you know, internally. We keep our finger on the pulse of our real-time Mm. Uh, spirituality and, and obedience, and we might call it a righteousness quotient. And, you know, if you feel righteous from that exercise, you are deceived. Mm. That's that's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. That's what the Pharisees were doing, and, and he's saying, you are deceiving yourselves and others. We cannot obtain righteousness that way. Sin is just too powerful for us. We need a Savior who redeems us and makes us righteous, right? He has to justify the ungodly. We're the ungodly. Mm. Our righteousness, therefore, comes from Jesus. So when you recognize that that is the case and you are praying that way, should you feel righteous? Well, you know, I don't know if you should feel righteous, but, man, it'd be good to feel something, you know? (laughs) Wouldn't it? I mean, it would be good to feel Jesus, Right. right. I mean, if, if you are looking in faith to Jesus and recognizing that, that you are wrapped in his righteousness, then there should be some sense of union with him, mm. right? You are, you are praying in his name, in union with him by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of adoption and sonship, who enables you to cry out, Abba, Father, right? There should be some sense of access here, right? So the feeling shouldn't be, you know, pride or satisfaction with your own performance, uh, real prayer, we know, should always include a confession of sin, as Westminster Shorter Catechism said. Hmm. But but we should, I hope, feel a confidence in Jesus that we are covered in him, and that the Father hears us for Jesus' sake. We should feel humbled and privileged that we have such access and a direct yeah. line to the Creator. You know, Matt, I was I was praying this morning, thinking about it, actually. I was talking to God. Mm-hmm. coming to the Father who has adopted me in Christ and loved me from all eternity, approaching him uh, by the power of his Spirit, 
washed completely in the blood of Christ, entering his presence through the torn curtain of Jesus' flesh. Mm. I was coming before the throne of grace. Father, Son, Spirit were all engaged with me in my prayer. And my girls are bickering in the other room. My wife is working on <laughs> breakfast. Yeah. Right? My, my dog is barking as other right. dogs are walking by outside. It was truly amazing. Through prayer, I was in the throne room of the triune God. Oh, my God. All while sitting in my little suburban home on a typical weekday morning. What yeah. a miracle. What a privilege. And, and, I, and I think, you know, whatever that feeling was, that could be multiplied by a million over, over the coming years in, in, you know, in, in practicing prayer and really recognize what's going on. I want that for all of us. Hmm. I want all of us to more and more just be awed by what is actually happening in prayer. Yeah, it makes me think that maybe... A lot of us are too cavalier when we go into the prayer situation. Like we're not realizing that we're coming into the throne room of the king of the universe. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So let's say that people are listening to this and they say, listen, I want to have a better prayer life. I agree with this. What are some practical ways to make our prayer life more effective? Well, I mean, actually just kind of picking up where we left off in terms of recognizing what's really going on. And I don't know how practical this is, but something that mm -hmm. has ignited my prayer, prayer life has been learning more about the triune nature of God and how the three persons are working together and participating in my prayers. Um, and this kind of started when we were going through uh, Galatians and, and the end of chapter 3 and beginning of chapter 4 about how the, the, the spirit of, of adoption uh, the Spirit of Christ is now in our hearts crying out, Abba, Father. And so we are able to address God as Father because of Jesus and his Spirit in us, right? And just looking at the Trinity there and mm. how that works in our prayers. Um, and then going through the Gospel of John in, in our adult Bible study has really helped me with this, studying how Jesus talks about his relationship with the Father. So much of the Gospel of John is is Jesus explaining how this really works, how he is the Son, and he and the Father are one, um, and they're not competitors. And so there's mm. actually a, a great introductory book on the Trinity that I would recommend to people that can kind of help you get started thinking this way. Uh, it's mm -hmm. called The Lighting in the Trinity, and it's mm. a it's a very quick very accessible read. It's not, you know, it's not dense theology or anything else. It's kind of like a practical, like, here's a way of thinking about the Trinity and, and the, 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 the triune relationship of the Godhead. So I would really recommend that. Mm -hmm. um, but for, uh, you know, practical, if we're talking about practical uh, ideas, um, I think using prayer resources, we've talked about these before, like the Divine Hours by Phyllis Tickle, or the mm -hmm. what I use is the Church of England Daily Prayer, service. I mean, having written prayers is really good, and, and, and maybe it's changing now, but for a long time in sort of Protestant evangelicalism, the idea of, you know, written prayers and reciting written prayers was just so so bad. Every every prayer, you know, needs to be totally unique and, and directly from uh, your consciousness in the moment by the help mm -hmm. of the Spirit. But like, you know, God gave us a book of 150 prayers, Right. To use right. and to memorize. Jesus gave us a prayer to say all the time, right? So there, there's something so good about written prayers and kind of working through those day in and day out. And so, I mean, something just as easy as just praying through a psalm, uh, one a day or, or two a day, and just sort of Lectio Divina, go through the psalm, 
and and as you do that, just pick out one thing that seems like you know sticks out to you that that God is inviting you into, and and that you want to to you know work on and and work through that day, right? And and frankly, mm-hmm. repetition matters, right? We we now everyone knows it's ten thousand hours to master something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. There's no thank substitute. You, Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> but yeah, what's that? I said thank you, Malcolm Gladwell. Right, exactly, right. exactly. And who knows if that's true or not? But I think we all get it, right? That, right. That that repetition repetition matters, and mm-hmm. and so there's no substitute for frequency of prayer. So I would encourage you to set a goal. You know, whether it's you know uh, three times a week or once a day or so many times a day, whatever. Ask a friend or two to commit with you uh, to practice that for two months and see what happens. Uh, a few of us in our church, we just check in by text every weekday morning when we wake up, and and the point mm. isn't to wake up at a certain time every day. The point is to be reminded to pray before you go about the rest of your morning business, before breakfast and emails and news and exercise. Stop and pray, and we use the Church of England prayer app, uh, and this has been a great blessing to me and my prayer life that we we started sometime in in the early fall last year. Um, Matt, it's, I think it's very similar to going to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, early on, you feel like you're not good. This feels awkward. There's not much point to this. I don't see any change. I'm so bad at this, right? But then you you do it regularly for a, even just a month or two, and you begin to see change, hmm. right? And if we do this with prayer, you will see change in you, and you actually will see God show up in ways you hadn't been recognizing, you haven't you hadn't been seeing before, uh, and you haven't even been looking for before, but but you will see something happen. So, you know, uh, all we can say is try it. You know, yeah. like try it, venture on, and try it. Yeah, and that's our hope and prayer for all of you listening that we all together can be become better prayers and uh, watch the Lord work in our lives. Indeed. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bob, for your time this morning. Thanks, Matt. The title of Bob's sermon is Prayer. It's part of our sermon in our series. It's part of one of our sermons in a series from the book of James. You can find that sermon in all our sermons and this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and on our website at gracesouthbay.com. You can also find a link on our website to ask questions for this podcast. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays for in-person outdoor worship. We meet at 11 a.m. in the courtyard of Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose. Look for that sign-up email from one of our pastors. If you're not getting those emails, we would encourage you to visit our website, again, gracesouthbay.com, and click on the Connect button at the top. Fill out the Connect card, and one of our pastors will reach out to you. You can also submit a prayer request using the Prayer button at the top of our website. If you can't join us for in-person worship, we are live-streaming our service on Facebook and YouTube. So join us at 11 or whenever is convenient for you because you can access the service anytime afterwards. We're really glad that you're tuning into these podcasts, and we hope that these conversations are helping you develop a closer relationship with Jesus. If you have questions about the Christian faith or just need someone to talk to, we've got pastors, elders, youth leaders, and a women's care team ready to help. We're just an email or a phone call away, and we really hope that you do reach out. We'll be back next week with another episode of the GSB podcast, so stay tuned and stay healthy. We look forward to our next time together. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening.